0: regardless of, of where you're at it's, it's just to live below your means save a good amount of money and if you do that long enough good stuff will come you know that that will grow and that will be a large amount um, over enough years
1: you're listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast where you'll hear the stories
0: and interviews of everyday millionaires we'll unveil their decisions their strategies and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson.
2: Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is 157. Jace, what's going on? How are you?
1: You great. How you doing?
2: Doing well. We just had a couple of interviews tonight and one thing that was shared with us was the parable of the the Mexican fisherman and the banker. And you you'd heard that before, right? Before tonight?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great a uh, great parable, great story. You know, the crux for our listeners is is the investment bankers on a, on a trip uh, down to the Mexican coast and 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 runs into this fisherman and He gets into banter with this fisherman about, you know, growing his business. And basically the crux is that the Mexican fisherman is – having a great life he's you know getting just enough for his needs and he has all the time in the world to, to spend with his children take a siesta in the afternoon and stroll the village in the evening and, and play guitar and hang out with his amigos and he has you know he tells the, the the banker hey i have a full and busy life and the banker said well i'm you know ivy League mba and i can help you i can help you get a bigger boat and help you get more fish and then you can get this processing and factory and all this kind of stuff and the mexican fishermen and, you know it was like how long is this going to take and the banker's you know I'll show you how to run this enterprise and he said well it's probably 15 20 years and the uh, banker's like you know when you get to the end you can sell sell your company for a lot of money and make you a lot of you know make make you super rich and the investment banker is is you know trying to pitch him on this and The Mexican fisherman says, for what? And then what will I do? And the investment banker tells him that, you know, hey, well, then you can retire and you can go to a small village on the coast and, you know, fish and play with your kids and take a siesta and stroll the village in the evenings and hang out with your amigos. And the the (laughs) Mexican fisherman says, well, that's what I'm
2: doing now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: so <laughs> that's the, what I'm already doing, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So we interviewed a gentleman tonight. Uh he was a window washer, right? Has a window washing company and he brought this up. He said his income's about $50,000, right? So and and shared this story with us. And so it was an interesting conversation with him and and one that we have with a lot of our millionaires, right, is time versus money, right? We we've, we've realized that most of our millionaires have come to value time and flexibility and and freedom. Right, and so the question here, and from this parable, the parable of the Mexican fisherman and the investment banker, is is that right? Like I'm, I'm already doing what I want to do, so why do I need to go build a successful company or work a bunch more hours or anything? It, it's kind of similar to this fire movement, right? That's happened over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah, it totally is. It's it's kind of trying to find that balance, that end game of happiness and, and fulfilling life. I know we talked about. Uh, you know, the book Die With Zero and, you know, all these messages are getting brought out in some of the communities like Fire Community and everything else. It's trying to find that optimal, you know, the optimizing your money and your time and what that looks like. And this parable obviously gets into that detail and causes for an interesting conversation for people to have and, and thought to to figure out. Even in the interviews we had tonight, that came up and he's trying to figure out what is my you know, what is my really my end goal? Like what am I really trying to accomplish? What am I really trying to get to to say that yeah, I'm living a successful and fulfilling life?
2: And that's a hard question, admittedly, right? For I think all of us, right? I mean, the other interview we did this evening was with a nurse aesthetist, right, who made how much was he making? Two hundred, two fifty? Yeah. Working a couple days a week, right? And so he says I want to give that up to go do something else, right? Because it's it's such good income. And we've had that conversation, most notably with Doc G, right, on on that episode, his second episode, where he was making close to a million dollars and quit his job. And the question is, well, geez, why didn't you work one or two more years, right? So, I think it's an internal battle and a, a question that all of us, to some extent, are trying to figure out for ourselves, right? In in that time and work life balance is a hard thing to find a solution for. So anyway, you know, interesting thought there. Uh, we had a great conversation last week with Leslie. He was a multifamily investor, an immigrant from Cameroon, and and really talked a lot about developing oneself and continually educating yourself. He had a net worth of about five hundred grand, two hundred of which was in real estate. So a really interesting interview. And and he first when he first came to the states, his first job was at McDonald's right making five dollars and 25 cents an hour so i learned a lot from him and pretty inspiring story to come over with nothing having never worked a job and and now to be on on a great path to success both in life and financially so interesting interview with him fun episode coming up today with daniel he has a net worth of about 2.7 million works as an engineer he dropped from 2.7 pre-covid to about 2 million during covid and now he's back to 2.7. I guess we're still during COVID, but the market's come back, right? So he's 2.7 now again, and of the 2.7, he's got about a million of that in retirement accounts. So interesting interview here coming up with Daniel. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy it, if you get something out of it, Leave us a review on iTunes. Always appreciate getting those. We got a nice review this week from R-H-Y-S, RIS, how do you say that, Jace? R-H-Y-S, D-J-C, RIS, D-J-C, that says, This podcast is like an up-to-date weekly version of the Millionaire Next Door book series. I like how every show is different but similar and that the show guests all have a common goal of financial independence. Definitely a show that will help you to think bigger in terms of assets and diversification. So thanks to to that review and thanks to all those who, who tune in. If you're interested in being on the show or would like to connect, we always just like to connect with our listeners, whether it's about the show or about whether some upcoming multifamily op- investment opportunities, feel free to reach out to us. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. So thanks again for listening. And without any further delay, let's welcome Daniel to the show. Daniel, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm an
0: engineer by, by schooling and, uh, and did engineering, uh, for, for a long time, um, and then have moved into program management now, um, in, uh, in the semiconductor industry. So lots of, uh, exciting kind of cutting edge stuff there. Um, and it's an industry that's very volatile, you know, with companies growing and doing layoffs and things like that. Uh, but also an industry that, that's very rewarding. And a lot of companies tend to have, you know, things like stock options and then restricted stock that uh, can make for, you know, a very lucrative career financially. So, you know, very rewarding just from the the kind of work that uh, that I get to do.
1: Totally. And what kind of engineer...
0: Uh, electrical engineer.
1: Oh, awesome! So now today, what what is your net worth? Where does your net worth stand?
0: Uh, so right about uh, right about two point seven million. Uh, that that includes house, and uh, we'll go into it a little bit later, but includes uh, some vehicles and a boat and an RV uh, as as part of that. Uh, but if you total it all up, it's about two point seven. Uh, but I do have to point out that uh, we're in the middle of July here, and uh, going through you. Most of my uh, a big chunk of my net worth is is in S and P five hundred uh, mutual funds. Uh, so I have seen quite a, a swing in that during the days when it was uh, you know going down in, in March and April. Uh, you know I, I kind of made myself not look uh, that much, but that was probably down. Closer to two million at that at the lowest point, uh, kind of went back and, and back calculated it, <laughs> but tried not to look back then, to, so I didn't make any dumb decisions.
1: That's that's crazy. It's funny you bring up not looking. I, I think Clark, correct me if I'm wrong. We've had several millionaires that say they look consistently when it's going up, but rarely when it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is that is that is exactly what I did. I, I don't blame you, man. These, I do the same. These thing. days, when it's you know you see it, you know I look at the market and and uh, and you know I see it going up one and a half percent or something, and and then I'll, I'll open up Mint and and see what that translates to. Uh, but it w- when it was going down, I, I just made myself you know not not look because fortunately I, I've not. Made any dumb decisions like this um, in in the recent market to to ever get out of any of this? But I have a couple of different times over the past three or four years with some of these crashes, um, like the end of uh, I think 2018 when it went down. I have stopped some some weekly investment and uh, non retirement investment that I had. Uh, because I thought it was going to keep going down. And then I had to make myself, uh, you know, I, I stayed out of it for for a few weeks or something. And then I made myself start back up that automatic investment. But fortunately, in recent years, I haven't pulled anything out. Um, I did back in 2012, pull my retirement uh, out, not out of the retirement account, but out of the, uh, you know, the, the growth type fund, S&P 500 slash growth type funds that it was in. And got out because I had friends that were <laughs> that are very conservative. And and back then, it had had a big run up after the downturn. And uh and I thought that it was going to go down. And basically, I was out like a year and a half. And, and in 2014, there was a dip. And fortunately, I was able to to put stuff back in there and not miss out too much in like a year and a half period. But it, it could have been very bad, and I could have missed you know all of this run up from you know 2012 till today. So the making yourself uh, not <laughs> making yourself stay in, you know, it can be a very difficult thing, but definitely a lesson that I learned.
1: Yeah, totally. So let's break this down. How How is the 2.7 broken up amongst your retirement, non-retirement? Uh, you brought up the vehicles and in, in, in your house. How is that all broken up? So
0: uh, a little over a million is in retire what I call retirement, et cetera. So that, that includes 529s and HSAs. I've got two different 401ks. Uh, one's at 42K. Uh, another one's at 192K. Um, and those two have a lot of S&P 500, some, some large cap growth, um, mid cap growth, uh, a little bit of intermediate value, et cetera. So those are, those are some work 401ks that I just to, in general, you'll see that, that I'm very, very heavy into just S&P 500 index. Um, but on those, I had, you know, made myself put some other variations in there. Uh, so that's forty two, and then two hundred, and then I have an IRA that was a four hundred one k conversion. Uh, that's about five thirty k uh, S and P five hundred in Vanguard, and then a about eighty k in a value index fund in Vanguard.
1: Is all that um, in traditional? Pre-tax, that
0: is all. That is all traditional. Okay. And Then I've got um, two Roth IRAs. Uh, one's about twenty-three k. One's about twenty-nine k. And that's in uh, Vanguard S and P five hundred. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I um, added did a backdoor Roth for the first time. And I had been avoiding doing, I'd been aware of it for a long time. But as you can see, I've got that 610K IRA. And if I were to do a, a backdoor Roth, I would have had to pay a bunch of taxes on, those, on that. Um, so what I realized that I could do is I don't have a traditional IRA in my wife's name. And so I realized because of that, I could do, create a non-deductible IRA, convert it to Roth and not have to do, uh, pay any taxes on, on anything else. I mean, that's taxable money. Um, but that was a way to get, uh, some more into a, a Roth IRA.
2: Gotcha, makes sense. Let me let me just ask you about your IRA. You have about six hundred thousand in your traditional, right? Mm -hmm. How how did you build that up so fast? Did you roll it from a four hundred one? Was some of it rolled from a four hundred one? Yeah,
0: that 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 was all four hundred one k. Yeah, okay. And so, really, if you look at it. you know if if somebody's looking at this in terms of you know we'll get later to you know income and and you know I've been very fortunate that uh, you know have have really good income and and some stock uh type stuff that's come in over the years um but if you look at it that's about 844k that's all just 401k money you know over the years so that really kind of shows that mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm 44 and if all I ever had done was, um, you know, invested, maxed out my, my 401ks through the years, I, I'd be at about 850k with just that.
2: Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. What was your your company's match?
0: Company's match was um, various things at different companies. It was generally like three percent. If you put in six percent, they would match three percent. Other cases, it was they would do if you put in four percent, they would put in four percent. So it was it was Kind of really about four, you know, three to four percent match.
2: Yeah, so hundred percent up to three or four. Correct. So, yeah. So yeah, just big picture here. Your buckets are are retirement. I know you include your your HSA in that. So it's about a million bucks there. Mm-hmm. A million, a million in between uh, the market and cash, right? And non-retirement, you call it about. Six hundred in your house, and then you have vehicles and, and toys and boats and everything else. Right. About one yep. one thirty, let's call it right. So, yep. I mean, pretty pretty diversified. Did your companies offer a Roth four hundred one k option? Did you decide against that? Or they? I mean, no, it's fairly new here.
0: Yeah, it is fairly new, and they have recently. And the issue there was just if I look at it. I am hoping that my, my tax bracket with my income is, is pretty high. You know, with the, with the recent tax cuts, that's gotten lower. There's potential in retirement that, um, you know, I don't need my income to be nearly as high and and that hopefully it was, it would be lower and I would be in a lower tax bracket to to do the, the Roth 401k. uh, Gotcha. Because I'll I'll be in a higher tax bracket now than hopefully I will be at retirement.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I I should add that you have, you have just over a hundred and five twenty nines and about forty five, fifty thousand ish in, uh, in HSA. So great job there, right? Building up, building up the HSA. Um, we got an email this week from a listener that said, Hey, a lot of the, a lot of the millionaires you guys interview are heavily invested in real estate. Can you try and find more people that aren't invested in real estate? So, Here you go, right? I mean, you have your primary residence that's paid off. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had any other rentals or real estate investments? And I guess if if not, why not?
0: So no, I haven't. Um, And that to me is my next step. I've in terms of doing diversification that way, I would say this, it, when I listen to all of your podcasts, um, like a lot of things in life, um, those experiences early on tend to shape, you know, things that you do later. And, and I've heard, you know, lots of people that have some kind of experience, uh, about real estate, you know, early on. And in some cases, you know, it sounds like for people it was, it was, uh, you know, the books they read or, or somebody, a relative they knew, et cetera. For me, uh, when I was in college, I read a book on investing, and I I saw the quote that uh, basically you know they took the historical return of the market uh, you know and, and used a you know I forget what number you know eight eight percent or something and 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 showed that if you invested two thousand dollars between age you know twenty two and twenty seven. Uh, you would have the same amount at, and, and you stop 22 to 27, then you stop that investment. And somebody else invested starting at age 28 and invested until they were 60 or something like that, that you would both have the same amount of money. Uh, and so it just, it, it hit home how important it was to invest early and just, you know, dollar, the compounding interest. And then also talked about dollar cost averaging. Um, And so those were the things that really hit home for me to do. But also, if you look at it up until, let's say, 10 years ago, most of my net worth would have have really been in in my retirement accounts because I just really focused on on maxing those out. And I didn't have extra money necessarily uh, to to put into, you know, a a non. Uh, Taxable account, and that's really what I, you know, I I had one, but but it wasn't I wasn't doing that regular investment uh, that I really started about five years ago, Um, and so you know I never had a big chunk of money that that I decided okay I'm going to go buy a rental or that type of thing, Um, and really as I listen to all these podcasts about real estate these days, um, the the thing that really goes through my mind is that. It really is, you know, another business. It is another job and, and there's lots of, of knowledge that you need for that. And, and I hear, you know, lots of people talking about the, the time that it takes and, and the mistakes they've made and everything. Um, and, and I think for me, that is something that I see myself doing, um, Potentially when I retire, you know, maybe I'll retire early and then get into real estate because uh, I am a pretty handy person. I, you know, I used to do all my own car work and everything. I, I do, I tend to do lots of stuff myself. And so I could definitely see myself down the road, you know, taking some of that non retirement money, um, non retirement account and, you know, using that, you know, to, to purchase real estate and, you know, not use a, not use any kind of company, management company, uh, to, to manage it, do all that kind of stuff myself. So, um, but I also have, have looked at, uh, or thought about, you know some other ways without owning properties directly. Uh, you know to get involved in real estate, and and the more I listen to to podcasts about that, you know that also worries me in, in a little bit in terms of you know ways that that can go wrong and, and things like that. So definitely continue to you know try and get as much knowledge as I can about that. And I do think that that's you know as right now I've got tons of risk. that talked in the beginning of you know I'm at two point seven now and you know, a couple of months ago, um, that was at 2 million, right? So that is a huge swing. And obviously, you know, once you get to close to retirement, you know, you need to reduce risk. Uh, and so, you know, I could definitely see real estate as a way to, you know, diversify and, and reduce risk, uh, or, or at least, um, you know, have some different types of more diversification uh, to, to reduce the overall portfolio risk.
2: Right, right. And it makes sense. And and yeah, and I mean no right way to do it, right? I think we've had people on that are all real estate and people on their zero real estate, basically. I mean, I think what, two weeks ago we had a guy that had a seventy five thousand dollar townhouse that, that he lived in and that was it. And he was yep. he was a millionaire. So no no one way to do it, just curious. Um I wanna ask you about this dip in the market. So you said you lost about not lost, right? Pa- I mean paper yep. lost. <laughs> Sixty to or six hundred to seven hundred thousand, let's call it. Yep. Did you did you and and we're recording this in July as you mentioned. Did you put money into the market at the end of March and April and May as it was dipping or or did you stay out of it?
0: So so my my 401k uh, my current 401k I, I never touched so that's that's been going in you know the, the whole time every paycheck um, this weekly in Vanguard in my non-retirement account. I've I've had this weekly contribution uh, since the end of 2015. And, um, as I said, when it was going down, I I turned that off for a few weeks, but then I did put some, a lump sum of some extra cash in, uh, within a couple of days of the bottom. So not, not a ton, but, but I, I kind of made up for that stopping the, the weekly contributions, um, and, and put in a little bit more. So, so I did invest some in there but i'm also at a point right now where i didn't have as much cash as i as i you know would like in in terms of that period uh you just think about you know all of the risks in in, in the world <laughs> and uh and wanted to have more cash so i wanted to be careful that i didn't put too much in i knew it was a great buying opportunity but you know i also didn't know you know what the next couple of years was going to look like right and in the overall bigger picture of things
2: Gotcha, makes sense. So jump into your boats or <laughs> to your boats, to your vehicles <laughs> and cars here, right? You have you have yeah. three cars, a boat and an RV, right? So yeah. you total at about a hundred and twenty five, hundred and thirty thousand dollars. But you say four years ago you were at fifty thousand in this category, right? Yes.
0: And so the the reason I, I point that out is just because um and we'll talk about my house in a little bit one of the things that you know I mentioned that that you know i think for a lot of people you know experiences obviously you know stick in your head with these things and um you know over the past several years when i started uh, my strategy um with kind of dollar cost averaging into the market for non retirement stuff the thing that i kept looking at the thing that always stuck in my head was if you take the s&p 500 and you look at it the peak in 2000 to um, going through, you know, two thousand seven and eight, uh, you know, big drop, and then to the recovery, it was like thirteen years where if you had put that money in uh, at the end of two thousand, it was thirteen years before, you know, it broke even. Uh, meaning it, it had broken even earlier, but it had broken even earlier. But then it went back down and came back up. So if if you just look at that and say okay would you have a lump sum of money the the and you put that in would you be happy if you know 13 you had to wait 13 years to to get that back and that really um as i looked at at my my age you know 4 4 years ago let's say you know i was 40 years old um i started looking at you know what was my current net worth and and what was in these accounts And then, you know, I'd go put in even something conservative with, um, you know, a 6% return, let's say over the next, you know, 15, 15 years or so, then that was going to be a lot of money. And I was in a job where I was getting stock awards and things like that. and, And I was winding up with these lump sums of money that I could have invested in the market but I made a decision. I, I am pretty cheap by nature. <laughs> um, I, you know, as you can see, I, I have nice things, but, but I'm, I'm very conservative generally with, I, I always look for good deals. You know, the, the things I'm talking about uh, are mostly, uh, you know, things that I bought used, you know, I, I generally um, buy my cars used my, my wife's car I bought new and kept for 10 years my other cars, I always buy, buy used and I just kind of step up in value a little bit. Um, and so that was really just about, um, when I went from one car to another, I basically went from a $20,000 used car to a $30,000 used car. Uh, so it wasn't like I was, you know, buying this brand new, uh, this brand new car. It, It was more of a progression, um and just something that i viewed as as kind of a conservative way to you know enjoy enjoy nicer things uh, things that that generally I, I agonize over spending that much money uh but i also looked at it in terms of like okay i was already putting um a lot of money into the market and uh, the last thing that I wanted to do was was go stick, you know, this big lump sum in and have it go down and be kicking myself that, OK, I could have been enjoying, uh, you know, some other things instead. Uh, so to me, totally, it just, totally. it's kind of a balanced approach of, you know, being able saving a lot, but, but also kind of making myself um, not wind up, you know, 60 years old with with, uh, you know, all this money and, and regrets of, of things that I wish I would have done.
2: Yeah, you want to live a little, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and and that's a conversation we have a lot with the millionaires is when to turn it on, right? Yep. Because I think some people, you, you know, you say you're frugal and, and some people grow up frugal and then they get to this point where they have the money to spend, but now, you know, in their mind, they can't do it. They can't get yeah. there. And and so what made you do that, I guess, right? Because if, if you were pretty frugal, how, how did you get to the point where you could say, hey, I can go buy a a boat for ten, fifteen thousand, or I can go buy an RV for thirty thousand dollars. I mean, for somebody that's really frugal, that's probably pretty hard to do right it,
0: it it definitely it definitely is and and even like when i decided uh, on a on a car to know that i didn't need to get that uh but i was i was you know upgrading that car you know ten thousand dollars let's say to a, to a different car you know i agonized right because the the my original plan was to just go up five thousand right and and i decided on this car and they were a little bit more than i, I wanted to spend and, and i just agonized on that and, and really the thing that did it is the looking at those projections to you know what you know, at a current rate, being very conservative uh, with things that you know the reality is is that you know at at 55 or, or 60, you know, I'm going to have a, a lot of a lot of money sitting there, more than likely. Um, and you know, in, in that overall scheme of things, this is a tiny amount. You know, if I'm talking about a 10k upgrade in a car, it's it's a tiny amount uh, in the overall scheme of things. And partially, you know, you guys talk about Dave Ramsey. Um, I've I've listened to a lot of his podcasts over the years, um, and it has helped hearing him give people permission, you know, people will call in with a, you know, with a net worth of a, of, you know, a million or 1.5 million. And they're asking him about spending, you know, a certain amount of money on something and and to hear him, uh, you know, kind of say, yes, you know, you, you've earned this, you go do it. I think that's also kind of helped in the back of my mind, giving me permission <laughs> that like, okay, this, you're, you're kind of crazy. <laughs> you're you're kind of crazy for debating this, this 10 K. what I will say is that, um, I, I mentioned, you know, when I was, when I was in college, you know, reading that book on investing, that has made it difficult for me to spend money because, you know, here, here's one thing I do when I mention that, that I'm cheap. I go and I look at when we go, we go out to eat quite a bit as a family and it, and it's a good family activity because it's, it's something we'd like to do. When I look at the, amount of money that that drinks cost with a meal (laughs) and i look at you know okay if it's three bucks for a drink just just a coke right three bucks for a drink times three that's ten dollars times 50 weeks a year that you know that's that's uh that's a lot of money that then if you were to invest that and over the years and everything you think about how much that is you know 20 30 years later uh, and that's what goes through my head, you know, the growth of, of what all that
2: money. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> would be. I'm I'm with you, right? <laughs> then you throw a tip on top of that and tax. Yeah, and you're like twenty yeah, yeah. bucks for four cokes.
0: Exactly right. So so what what I had one of my lessons for myself is, is that when I look at it, yes, that would be a lot of money, um, but I also look at it with relative to you know at age sixty or something what the rest of the money will be. Um, and and I think that if you can come up with how much you need to be saving, and you're saving above that, uh, then, then you need to give yourself permission for those other things. Now, early on, right, early on, um, you know, all that money does help up help add up and to be saving the amount that, that, you know, a lot of money, a lot, you know, sometimes you need to make those decisions because, you know, early on, you know, I didn't have, I was maxing out all of my 401k and everything. And the way I was able to do that was living below my means. You know, I, I was, I was driving, you know, cars that were cheaper than, you know, the average person making my kind of salary. I was in a cheaper house at the time that, you know, somebody typically would buy making my salary. Uh, so, I think if you make the smart decisions early on, uh, then, you know, later on, you'll be on a path that you don't need to worry about it.
1: Daniel, you bring up a really interesting point about making some of those efforts early. If you were to rewind a little bit and go back in time, maybe to the 20, 25-year-old Daniel and the thirty, thirty-five year old Daniel, how much of your net worth today is due to the efforts that were in your twenties versus maybe the efforts that were in your
2: thirties versus your forties now? Sorry, let me just piggyback that because I'm I'm curious from your answer and Jace's question. Going back, you know, you're you're saying, hey, I, I want to spend a little bit more to have fun and buy these things. So when you think about what Jace just asked and and being twenty five and thirty, and now you're at 2.7 million, right? Do you wish you would have spent more? Maybe started that lifestyle, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, lifestyle creep or whatever, right? Do you wish you would have done more at that same age?
0: No, I don't. And here's why. You know, I pointed out that, you know, 4 years ago I had three vehicles, a camper and a boat, and they were all totaled to about 50k. And so I I did my boat, I bought, it's a 2004 boat, I bought it in 2007. Uh, you know when I was i guess uh thirty one um and and I had a boat before that actually my first boat i I bought a year out of college and and I spent fifty five hundred for it and I had used money that that I had gotten as a signing bonus out of college basically um and so i i never i, I very early on um i I did buy you know spend money on on things like that. Um, but I was just still conservative when I was doing that. Um, and, you know, the, the vehicles I have today don't give me any more joy or happiness, um, than, than ones that I had in the past. You know, they're nicer and, and that's great. Um, but, but they still accomplish the same thing. You know, they still, the, the, the RV still lets me go camping with my family. The boat, you know, my first boat let me take my family out on the boat. Um, And so, you know, really, I don't I don't regret uh, doing that. The only thing that that I maybe would have done differently is is early on. Um, maybe spent the money on nicer vacations. Um, I, we always have been good about doing vacations. Um, but in the past couple of years, that's where we've, we've stayed at some nicer places. And we went to Hawaii a couple of years ago. And, and that is, it was my second time there. We went there on our honeymoon, um, but went there as a family and, and that was wonderful and, uh, stayed at a really nice place. And, and that was something that, you know, we the the photos pop, pop up on the, you know, the, on the Alexa display uh in the kitchen. And, you know, we reminisce about that and, and are looking forward to going back. Uh So I think it's not the stuff that I wish, you know, if I, I went back that I'd spend more money on stuff. Uh, I do think, you know, budgeting. And uh, you know, making sure that you've got some memorable things, uh, vacation type things earlier on. That that's definitely something that that I would I would do. You know, going back.
1: Yeah, and in regards to to the efforts of your twenties and thirties, how much would you say you, your net worth is attributed to what you did in your twenties versus your thirties versus maybe what you've done in the last three or four years?
0: So that's a good question. So I would say that uh if you look at from a retirement account, where I said that, you know, okay, you t- total up 401ks, that's, you know, 850k. Realistically, a lot of that probably was from you know maxing that out earlier uh, or early on right because it was co- the contribution amount max hasn't changed that much so kind of by definition a lot of that was from the fact that you know it's been uh, some of that money's been in there 20 years fifteen years ten years etc with my non-retirement stuff the the account that's you know up to you know 750k between some some vanguard and some stocks, um, a lot of that money is really because of income, income that, you know, as I got older and, and had success in my career, um, the, the income has come up between, you know, salary and, and stock and bonuses and things like that. Um, so that's where I would say, but see, the thing is, I think the the investing young is important because you don't know that, you know, I've been really fortunate to to have, you know, some, you know, large amounts of money come in. And you just don't know that that's going to be the case, <laughs> and and so I think it is important to you know just it, regardless of of where you're at, it's it's just to live below your means, save a good amount of money, and if you do that long enough, good stuff will come, you know that that will grow and that will be a large amount um, over enough years. Uh, so I, I do think it's really important. But realistically, um, a good chunk of the non-retirement money is is not because I, I started that early. That's that's really more uh, because of income uh, more recently.
1: When did you start investing in, in your 401k and, and your IRAs?
0: So I started um, as an intern um, at, at my first company uh, the summer after my sophomore year in college um and before that um my first job was mowing lawns i, I first started mowing lawns for money uh the s- summer after second grade <laughs> i started mowing my neighbor's lawn uh for 15 bucks a, a pop and uh i couldn't even start the lawn mower by myself I, my mom had to, my dad was at work and and my mom had to go out and and uh she would hold it and i would pull it and and get it started and everything and so um, that's really where my, my saving and the value of money came into play because I knew, you know, how much work it was to, to make that money. Um, and so I was always pretty frugal uh, about, about spending it. Uh, cause it wasn't just my parents giving me money to spend. It was money that I was earning. Um, and so because of that, I had saved up quite a bit of money going into college. Um, and then in college, I, you know, I started working, um, as a, you know, as an engineer and, and made good money. Uh, through that period. So my first, um, you know, when I started interning, I started a 401k. So when I was 20, I guess. Um, and I also opened up a Roth IRA uh, sometime during that time. So probably about 20. Uh, so I, I started that, you know, pretty early on.
1: That's awesome. Now, one thing that that I want to go back to that that we haven't hit on very often on the the podcast is you have a pretty sizable HSA, at least compared to our other millionaires. Is that something that you invest every year and, and put to work or is it just all sitting in cash for when you need it?
0: no so that that's definitely all also in s&p 500 uh investments um so i have not since i've had an hsa uh which you know i, I don't remember exactly how many years that is so if you look at that i've got about 45k in there and let's say 30 K. So, so maybe it was um, four or five years uh, that I've had that. Um, And basically I've maxed out the contributions and I have not used it for any medical expenses. Um, And so early on, I I think, I think uh, after, you know, the first year of having it is, is when I realized you could invest that. And, and I started, you know, turning that into um, sticking it into uh, SP 500 investment in there. And, and the thing is that to me, the HSA is the, uh, yeah, I, th- I think on here on your show, there's lots of people that know about it, but I think in general, that that's one of the lesser known that, that you really have the the three advantages of that, you know, it's non-tax going in and it grows tax-free and it comes out tax-free uh, and that's, you know, there, there's no other account like that. So that's, that's with the cost of, of healthcare, uh, you know, these days and in the future, I think that's a really good thing to have. Um, and I think also, you know, if I wanted to retire early, et cetera, then, then that's also a good source to, to help with, um, you know, medical insurance and expenses, um, you know, before, you know, government, uh, stuff with Medicare, et cetera, would, would kick in.
1: So I, I want to ask too ab- about your house. You decided to pay that off. Why did you make that decision to to pay off the house? I, you know, Clark and I were, were were thinking about it when we saw the, the the data that you sent over. I don't know that we've had a, another millionaire with such a high value on on a paid for residence. So how did that come about? Why did you decide to pay it off? Why not go borrow on it at you know three percent, for example, and, and and do something else?
0: Yep. Um well I um I bought my house in 2011 uh for 444 um right now it's it's at about 605 uh let's call it 600 and in 2015 um so I I I bought it for 444 I put a 300k mortgage on it and in 2015 I had 400k in cash uh that came from stock uh options and RSUs that that had uh, vested and, and cashed out and I needed to make a decision on what to do with that. Um a big part of me wanted to to invest that uh you know all of it and I had a 3.5% mortgage uh but I went back to um, that, you know, as earlier, I talked about looking at the S&P 500 at, at 2000 and then 13 years uh till it, you know, went up and back down and back up and 13 years, you know, it, it was break even 13 years later. And I just looked at it and I said, OK, if I if I go stick this 400K in the market, um I, I'm going to be kicking myself. And and just in terms of, you know, overall risk, it, it's also part of a risk strategy, right? The reason why I feel comfortable putting, you know, having no bonds, having no real estate, you know, rentals, et cetera, and putting all of, you know, having all a uh, big uh, chunk of money in, you know, mostly S&P 500 with these big swings um, is because I have a paid off house. And, you know, if, if things went bad and, uh, you know, lost my job or something like that, um, I don't have any house payment. Um, you know, I've got money that, that if I needed to pull it out, you know, even during a downturn, I could, uh, you know, try and keep a sensible, you know, cash reserve. But it, it just lets me sleep better at night, um, because the market is so unpredictable. I mean, <laughs> just look at these swings that we just had and, and, uh, and really that th- at the bottom, um, it, it came very close to what the market was. Uh, you know, a, a few years earlier and everything. Uh, so to me, it's 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 peace of mind and, and, and just part of a, a good diversification. I mean, I think if you look at, at my portfolio between, you know, retirement money, non-retirement money, and then a paid off house, th- that makes for a very balanced, helps make for a balanced portfolio without any bonds and and so i've got the advantage of you know having the returns of of the traditional or you know of, of a of equities um with the you know kind of peace of mind uh of of having a, a paid off house
2: no it's a good it's a, it's a good answer i appreciate you i appreciate you mentioning it so just want to close with some rapid fire questions here and then get into some last words of advice and, and any mistakes uh that you want to share so What's been the most expensive car you've ever purchased?
0: To buy my new or sorry, to to pull my my newer travel trailer (laughs) that I mentioned, um, I had to upgrade my truck to an F250 uh, and I bought a used one and uh, and spent about 40,000 for that.
2: Okay, what about the most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for?
0: So I've uh, been fortunate that in work uh, in, in work in the past have gotten lots of nice meals. Um, and that's kind of convinced me that while they're while they're nice, um, you know, I don't get that much additional satisfaction out of out of a really high end meal. So uh, for our anniversary or something, we'll go out and, uh, and spend, you know, maybe a hundred dollars for the two of us. Uh, but that's that's really about it.
2: Yeah. Does your wife work at all or or stay at home? Uh, She uh,
0: is a stay at home mom since we had kids. She was a teacher before that.
2: Gotcha. Okay, What items or experiences are worth spending more money on to you and what's not worth spending money on?
0: So definitely vacations, travel experiences. Those are the things that are worth spending money on spending money on. And the things that are not, I would say, expensive clothes. <laughs> you can see that, you know, I do spend money on on cars and things like that, um, you know, a conservative in a conservative way relative to wealth. Um, so I, I don't have an issue with that. But um, that's where, you know, I'll, I'll shop at Ross and, and things like that, because I, I just hate spending money on, on clothes that I can get for cheaper.
2: Sure. How old were you when you became a millionaire? Uh, 36. Okay. Do you have a predicted retirement age or net worth that you want to get to?
0: So I don't have any goals for net worth, um, on an exact number, except, um, I would like to be in a, I guess in a way it would potentially be assets, Investable assets of maybe 3 million so that if I did a very, very conservative 3%, uh, you know, I could have like a 90k uh, cash flow. So that that might be uh, one way that I would look at net worth. Um, and I, I definitely would like to retire early, you know, maybe 55 and, you know, potentially would be in a position um, to, to what, I, what I would also like is, is to be in a position to be able to do that earlier in case I wanted to do something, you know, a, a different job or, or that type of thing, just to, you know, have the flexibility there.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. What's been as much as you're comfortable sharing here? What's been the range of income household income through your working life?
0: So coming out of college, it was 55K, um, which, was, which was a very good salary at the time in 2000 or 99. And uh, more recent years is about 250 um, when I, with, uh, with salary and bonus and stock, uh, a lot of times about there, sometimes uh, a little bit higher than that um, with some of these more recent things that drove some of my purchases.
2: Wow. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, have you ever used a financial
0: advisor? Uh, I never have, you know, I, early on coming out of, of college, um, I had people at work with uh, set up appointments and and things like that. But just knowing, um, you know, the knowledge I had about compounding interest and low fees and everything, uh, I, I just always decided to do that
2: myself. And then spending household spending a year, do you know what you spend annually? It's uh
0: probably generally between eighty and a hundred k. I don't track it. I don't track it extremely closely though
2: yeah and and you have no debt at all, right? I mean, maybe a credit card, no but, uh, debt, no yep, debt at all no debt wow, good for you. so just lastly, uh Daniel, what mistakes have you made, or what would you you know if you're giving advice to somebody, if you could go back and do this again as your twenty five or thirty year old self? Is there something you wish you would have done differently or or maybe couple that with is there something that you you're really glad you did?
0: Uh yeah, so so definitely I'll, I'll highlight one mistake uh so in early on you know when I was in uh college and I had read that book the company that I was interning for had stock that went on an incredible run and went up about 10 x um and it's actually one of the it's actually a very big company and I had stock in there. There was a stock purchase program and I saw this going up in value a, a crazy amount. Um, and I had no experience about a bubble. <laughs> I, I didn't know about those things at the time. Um, and, and I decided that I was going to be very conservative that you could do margin at the time and and, and at rates that would seem crazy today. But, uh, you know, I had a mortgage on my house at the time that was eight and a quarter. And, you know, margin, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was probably higher than that but i was seeing these returns on on this company stock that were that were incredible and so i decided that i was going to be very conservative and and i wasn't going to be doing this for quick money but that you know even if i did it for you know multiple years i would be making way more than the margin um, the problem is, and that continued to go up um, and and that went up uh, a a lot <laughs> in value and then it started coming down um, and, and eventually I had to get out and uh and I didn't lose everything uh but but I definitely you know it was a it was a pretty dumb dumb thing to do um, but you know learned from that and learned about bubbles and and uh you know that stocks aren't always gonna to go up and everything so that was it was a valuable lesson. Uh, I think that in terms of the, the one thing that I didn't do was for a non-retirement, I think that the dollar cost averaging into the market and just having something that is, is going investing, you know, weekly or monthly, like your 401k, that's non-retirement money, uh, I think it would be valuable even if it you made it $50 a month. Uh, To just get in that habit, and then increase that—that I think it would be be a a definitely a good thing to do. Uh, But the biggest lesson is is just you know invest at the very least you know max out a four hundred one k. And live below your means. Um, live so that you don't need to worry about a budget too much. You know, just if, if you live in a house, a big chunk of it is, is live in a house that's, that's below your means. Uh, because that's a, that's a big source of, of what your spending is going to be between the house payment and insurance and taxes and everything. So if you can keep your house lower, uh, early on, uh, to allow you to save a lot, uh, that'll go a long way.
2: Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. Really appreciate it. net worth of 2.7 million uh, paid for a house, $600,000. Absolutely no debt. So r- really cool. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks again for taking the time.
0: No problem. Appreciate
1: it, guys. Thanks, Daniel.